Hi, my name is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Before we start with the podcast, I have a few things that I'd like to mention. The first is that we've set up a special email address where listeners of our podcast can send in questions related to Agile, Agile transformation, basically anything about Agile at all. Just send your question to soundnotes at leadingagile.com. You can send it in text form, you can send a WAV file or any kind of audio recording of yourself asking the question, even video would be okay. What we're going to do is take the questions that we get, and in a future podcast, I will be joined by a few of our enterprise transformation consultants. We'll talk about your question, we'll talk about some possible solutions, some ideas, some things you might try when you get back to work, so that if you've got something that's going well, you can make it go better, and if you've got something that's not going well, we'll give you some suggestions or strategies for things you might try to change to make it go a little more smoothly. So again, any question about Agile or Agile transformation, just send it to soundnotes at leadingagile.com. You can send it as text, you can send it as an audio file, or you can send video, whatever's easier for you. We just like to get a lot of questions from our listeners so we can start to incorporate that into the podcast that we've been doing. Again, soundnotes at leadingagile.com. The second thing I want to mention is we've set up a special discount code for podcast listeners who are interested in taking one of our CSM or CSPO classes. You can find a list of all our upcoming classes by going to leadingagile.com slash training. We're currently doing classes in Atlanta, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and San Jose. So just go to leadingagile.com slash training, find a class you'd like to take, and enter the discount code SOUNDNOTES to receive 10% off the list price. Now, on to the podcast. Hi, welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This is Dave Pryor, and today on the podcast, we have Tom Churchwell. Now, Tom is working as an Agile Transformation Consultant at Leading Agile. Uh, Tom, thank you for taking time out of your afternoon. Thanks, Dave. It's my pleasure. So, Thanks for having me. We, we've got, I'm glad that you're here. We've got a very specific topic to talk about, a very impressive event that you're a part of. Um, and that's something that you do on the side. So can you give, before we get into that, can you give a little bit of background about yourself for the folks who may not be familiar with you? Uh, sure. Uh, I have been in IT for about 30 years. I had like a dual career. I was also in the military. Uh, you may not have known. I, I used to fly helicopters, loved doing that. But I retired from the military in 2001, which is funny. It's about the same time that you know, I kind of got involved with Agile. I've been in IT for a long time, but only in Agile for about 15 years. Okay. And what drew you, so, so what part of IT, I guess, were you focused on before you got into Agile? Uh, well, you know, I kind of started out in uh, data centers, building data centers, and uh, then went into development. Uh, we used to build flight simulators. I worked at an aerospace company, and we built a bunch of flight simulators, which was, you know, good for me. I was a pilot, and so I did a lot of testing, whatever we came up with. Uh, we built an F-15, an F-16, an F-18, a Learjet, and wow. a Cobra flight simulator. Yeah, I loved that time. It was really, I mean, because it was really a lot of fun. And a lot of work, too. Lot, oh, yeah. You know what? Work hard, play hard. We had a lot of fun at CTA. It was great. Cool. And so what, what led you into Agile? Is that, is that where you got your start with it, or is that something you picked up later on? Well, uh, you know, interestingly, I... Uh, I had gone into consulting for a while on data centers when, uh, you know, when the Internet came around. And then after that, I went into development and uh, went to work for a place called Pillar. I think uh, some of the other folks at Leading Agile have been at Pillar, too. Yep. And uh, when I got there, uh, Chris Beal and uh, Ken Thaw, Garrett Gall, we had all started really figuring out uh, how, do we, how do we start to talk to people about doing things differently. Uh, we were trying to incorporate a lot of the practices that we were also learning at the time, doing a lot of Agile transformation stuff, and really kind, uh, kind of trying to codify what we were doing and how to do it 
uh, a lot of challenge, a lot of, a lot of organizations that uh, had a really tough time with, um, with a lot of what we were trying to incorporate. Um, but then I started finding people who really, uh, really embraced it. I went to work at a place called Mudco. Uh, Steve Swanson was a CIO there. Uh, he convinced me to get out of consulting. He said, you know, it's great if you're a consultant, you go someplace uh, and you help them with a the transformation, but to have it over a long haul, over a long time, uh, a long period of time, that's a real challenge, and that's what he challenged me to do at Budco. Uh, that was a, uh, we did a lot there, and then I went to Cengage. Uh, Cengage, it was kind of the same thing. Uh, Gary Baker uh, and Chris Beal as well, as well was at Cengage. Um, and uh, that was a six-year transformation. And Gary Baker was, uh, I mean, he was incredible in his commitment to how to do it. I mean, he came in, first thing he said was, we're tearing down all the cubes. Everybody got a, t- everybody got a shirt that said, I lost my cube, but I got this shirt. And, uh, <laughs> and that, was, that was his level of commitment. And I tell you what, all the stuff that, that was very painful uh, at all the places that I had been before was completely vindicated. When we got to Cengage, we did an incredible transformation there. They're still doing it. It's, uh, it is, uh, it is um, a great group of people that has really made a commitment to Agile, and, uh, and they are like a shining star uh, of, of the places that I've been and the places that I've seen. Um, they, they really have embraced it. So I... I want to back up a little bit, if, if that's okay, and, and dig into one of these things. So the, the first place that you stayed for the, you know, past the initial launch of the transformation was Mudco? Uh, Budco, Budco, yeah. Budco, sorry. Okay, Budco. That, was, and, that really went well until a new owner came in and really didn't, uh, didn't embrace it. So that, that's okay. what happened. Well, how long were you there? Uh, two and a half, I think two and a half, three years. Okay, so like that. that's that's still a pretty. I mean, from a consulting standpoint, from going from the you know I'm in here for a little while, then I'm out. Yeah. that's still a yeah. long time. Well, that was kind of what Steve's point was. He said, you know, I, you know, I don't want you here for six months. I want you here for the long haul, and that's and that's kind of what we did. Which I guess I can see a lot of appeal in that. I mean, you get to see what happens if it can actually get the rest of the story. Um, I'm curious, coming from the consulting perspective, how that changed was, because while you do get the rest of the story at the same time, when I was doing consulting work like that, one of the great things about it was always like, if it got to a point where you're like, uh, you knew that pretty soon you were going to get sent somewhere else uh-huh. anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And that, uh, yeah, that wasn't available. That, that was his whole point. Yeah. He made, yeah, that you was the setup. Of the meeting. And he was like, no, we're not going to do it like this. We're going to do it my way. You're going to come on board. We're going to be, uh, it's going to be, we're going to be in it together, right? We're all going to be in it together and we're all going to be in it for the long haul. And that, yeah. So Steve was really, I mean, and he was incredible because he didn't come in and he didn't have to build trust with Steve. It's really incredible. I mean, he comes in and he says, I trust you explicitly. You go do it. I absolutely trust you, and, and, and we're going to keep doing it that way until something goes wrong. And I don't expect anything to go wrong, but I want you to know I trust you implicitly from the gate, right out of the gate. So That's a scary thing. A, yes, he, <laughs> he was. He is a uh, – but he's that kind of guy. That's, he's a courageous kind of guy. Yeah, that's. I think that's a special kind of individual. Either that, or I was a it project is. manager for too long, and I, I tend to fall on the opposite side of the spectrum. Yeah, see, I, you know, and I have gotten to work with some incredible people. I mean, Gary Baker, same way, uh, really trusted everybody out of the gate, uh, and encouraged. Just created a space, a really safe space to experiment and make it work. And and of course, 
man, he would hold you accountable. And so did Steve. I mean, they're really, they're, they're the kind of people that give you a whole lot of leeway, but they really hold you accountable. So, so, so this is kind of a, I mean, a, a big deal, a big question for me. When you stick it out with the entire transformation, when, when you're there for multiple years and you go through that entire battle, um, which at times is very heart-wrenching, when you get to the other side of it, you you see it that it's actually taken root that you see the people have adopted it. Does that make up for all that hard times along the way? Uh, it, well, to a large degree, it does. But here's the challenge that I always sit with every time: is um, the cha- change is slow. Change is really tough. It's really slow, and and it's not it's not a matter of changing act- academically, right? It's not a matter of saying here's what we want to do and we know what to do. It's actually getting teams that embody it, right? Being able, having the skill inherent in an entire team takes a long time. And so no matter what the end point is that you get to, there's so much more, right? There's so much more potential and there's always so much more that you want to do. Uh, and that's, you know, yes, it is. Uh, it's great vindication of all the things that we've promoted and advocated and, and, oh, hey, it's great that it works. Look how far we've come. Yes. Um, but every time I get to the end of it, I'm always looking at it and saying, look how much more we could do. So that's that's a pretty awesome thing. I guess I've always felt like like when I'm in there, I'm in there trying to create something for whoever's going to be in there after me, um, trying to you know make it a little bit better for the next guy. But to be able to stick it out, I think, is very impressive. Um, yeah. So the reason, one of the reasons we decided to do the the interview today was to talk about Agile Beyond. So that's something that you've been mm. involved with a big success. Can you talk a little bit about the conference? Yeah, uh, sure. Um, I mean, it's been going on for about six years now. I guess this is a, the sixth one. Um, it started with Marvin Toll, uh, and he really had this notion that uh, you know six years ago. The basic gist of it was this. Marvin says, you know, we've been doing this Agile thing for about a decade now. I think it's kind of run its course. <laughs> so what's next? And that was that was the basic gist of the very first one. And, uh, and, and there were, I mean, he got some great people to talk about it. Uh, some of the people that came into that first one were Ron Jeffries and Chet Hendrickson. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to talk with any of those guys, but those guys um, – you know, right from the get go, they're all they're always talking about. You know, it's not about agile. This, you know, they, they're they're like, if you think it's about agile and if you think it's about practices, you're missing the point. And that was kind of the gist of what they started with. They said it's about excellence, and if we can reorient around excellence, that's going to get us to where we need to really go next. And uh, and that was kind of the. You know, that's kind of the theme that we started with, and it's been perpetuated. Um, we've had a lot of great speakers come out. And every year, you know, we try and get, we try and get uh, someone who speaks to, you know, like, like an original signer of the Agile Manifesto. That's kind of one of the things that we try to do. We don't always get to do it, but we try to get someone who, who is one of the signers. And we try and get someone who's, you know, also speaking to either Lean or Agile or something that's different. Right, and and we're always pu- trying to push the boundaries of of who the speakers are going to be that will be different. Um, but we've had over the years, we've had you know Ron, uh, Chet, we had uh, Mary and Tom Poppendike. They came out, they talked one year, and they did the same thing. They were they were kind of like agile. What's next? Uh, you know, software development approaches usually don't last more than ten years, and this was like this was the second year. They're like, what what are we going to look at next? <laughs> so over it. 
<laughs> yeah, right. It was so, and that's kind of been the theme, right? I mean, a lot of the people we have like sixty different speakers every year, right? Uh, industry speakers come to this and speak every year, uh, year in year out. We have great people that come out. Um, we had Steve Denny speak one year. David Anderson spoke about Kanban. Jim Benson also stalk, uh, talked about Kanban. Uh, Josh Kirievsky, he has come out. He was a, a keynote in 2014, and he talked about Anzineering. Uh, he came out again this year. Uh, he, was in, uh, he was in the same conference room that, um, that, Mike, Kott, that Mike Kottmeyer was in. They had, they, there was a, a room that had, held about 200 people in an auditorium, um, and he talked about modern agile. Alistair Coburn, he spoke one year um, about the heart of Agile. Esther Derby um, talked about leadership. Uh, this year we had um, Dr. Jeffrey Likert. He talked about lean. He, you know, he wrote the Toyota Way. Um, and then we had James Grenning. He was a, a manifesto signer. And he, he talked about the state of, of the art of Agile development and design. So we've had some really great speakers. Um, and we've tried to continue the theme, right, of of kind of, you know, what's next? How do we push the boundaries? What are the things that really matter about excellence and, and being able to deliver? Do you feel like that's getting more difficult to um, kind of push the boundaries of it? Are, are you seeing the crop of new ideas and new thoughts emerge that you did, say, five years ago? I think we're seeing more new ideas uh, and and I think that's part of the challenge is that is that um, a lot of people are, are are out there looking at what's next, where do we go next, and uh, and so I mean people like Josh Kirievsky, for example. I mean the stuff that he's talking about with modern agile is is I mean it's really uh, it's I think it's different. It captures a lot of stuff that we've done, but he speaks to it in a different way, and he speaks to it on the human side, right? And I think that's a big part of what's different. So we have a lot of technical practices that we've focused on, um, but there's uh, but there is a big difference, I think, right, um, between that and the human side. Uh, so these are some of the things that I've really been learning, uh, especially I mean when I look back at, at working with Gary Baker and Chris Beal and this idea of creating a, a space of safety, right? Creating the ability for people to say what they really think to really make suggestions about how we can improve and how we can continuously get better. There's so much incredible gray matter in the teams and the team rooms about how we can do what we're doing better and more effectively. And we have to create a space where people feel safe experimenting, uh, having, not, you know, having stuff that doesn't work the first time, right? Being able to go out on a limb and try something new. Um, you know, we talk about organizations that want to innovate and an organization see that you know their people as their their greatest asset but then they don't create the space that makes them feel safe enough to try stuff right and i think there are a lot of people that are looking at how do we do that how do we create that safe space and that's why we have people like esther derby right she talks about leadership and she talks about the human side and I think that a lot of the beyond part of Agile and Beyond has been how do we bring that part, the human side, into the conversation? So is that so is, is that something that you're seeing sort of an uptick in people focusing on? I'm guessing over the past couple of years, or, or maybe um, coming I, back coming back around to the human side as opposed to just locking in on the tactical stuff. 
Um, I, I think it's, I think it's both. I think what's happening is that uh, people are having more of a listening for it now. They're starting to see that it's way more than just practices. And, and it's so, so funny. You know, it comes right back to, uh, it comes right back to what Ron Jeffrey said to begin with, right? It's, 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 um, it's so much more than just the practices. It's about excellence and it's about um, craftsmanship. Uh, that space, right? Being able to create a space for people to have craftsmanship as part of what they do every day uh, is different. Um, but there are a lot of organizations now that have gone down that path and proved that that works. You know, if you take a look at, at what uh, Google did, right? They came up with Google Time where p- people have like Friday, they work right. on stuff, right? Google Time, right? That's total innovation. That's total craftsmanship space. And stuff like Gmail is what comes out of it. I mean, you know, how many organizations create something as powerful as Gmail with people's uh, craftsmanship time, right? The time that they dedicate to getting great at what they do. Uh, I think that they're starting to become a listening for it. And, and, uh, and for those organizations that recognize people as their most valuable asset, innovation is the most important thing that they can do to competitively differentiate Dif- I, easy for me to say, right? Competitively <laughs> differentiate themselves, right? That's what people want to do, right? Or, I mean, that's what organizations want to do. They want a competitive advantage. Everybody wants a competitive advantage. But you have to create the space where that can actually happen, right? So this is why people, I think, have a listening for the beyond half of Agile and Beyond. So I'm going to go a little bit off the rails here and see what happens. So yeah. you, you, oh, great. You, you obviously are very passionate about this stuff. Um, Does that come through? You know, I keep hearing bit, that. A little bit. And <laughs> so I guess what I'm wondering is, um, you know, you're talking about excellence. And I think you know, anybody who's in this field aspires to that kind of environment where, where we have that sense of excellence, where everybody's engaged at that level. But a lot of the times you don't have that. And as somebody who has been on transformation projects and stuck around to see them all the way through, when you hit those tough spots, when you're surrounded by people that are just like, ah, screw it, I don't want to do this anymore, it's too hard, can't we just switch back? Um, how do you maintain the level of enthusiasm and engagement that, that, you're, that, that you're showing right now? Because there's dark uh-huh. times, and um, as a, you yeah. know, somebody who works as a coach or works with teams, what's the thing that inspires you again when you get into those dark yeah. places? Yeah, well, so first of all, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I I, uh, I I don't walk around believing that, and I and believing I have what, a reason. For what? I don't believe that there's dark places, and I don't believe that that, uh, that, okay. that aspect of resignation is uh, is any way for me to live every day. So I just don't do it. So that's a Abraham choice. Lincoln. An active uh, choice. It's my choice. Abraham okay. Lincoln said most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be, and I believe it. And the, and and one of my great mentors, Eugene Keel. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, he was my boss there at, at Cengage. He absolutely inspired me like that every day, not by saying stuff, but by being that every day, that enthusiastic person uh, who absolutely believes in his people. Um, that's, and and that, to me, uh, any, uh, any team or organization that is in the doldrums is only there for a short amount of time and is purely a function of leadership. The, the, it's the leadership that needs to get them inspired. Wow. Uh, we lived for, and, and you know, I was in the military, right? I told you, yeah. I, I retired from the military. I lived in a world of command and control for a long time. And I also have lived in a world of enroll and inspire. And that enroll and inspire is a thousand 
times more effective, a thousand times. And can so I, explain, I believe in it and I do it every day. that a little bit? Talk a little bit about Enroll and Inspire? Uh, sure. Uh, so, I mean, we, we already know what command and control is, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming this is an opposite. Yeah. I've not heard of it. I've uh, not heard it used before. So oh, oh okay. Well, it's, it's, it's really pretty straightforward. I mean, some of the things that we want to do is we want to tell other people what to do, right? That's command and control. And I think that's a natural thing that managers try to do is they want to, they want to direct people and they want to, and they want to, and they want to tell people and they want to get stuff done and they want to make it happen. Right. And that's an orientation that comes from the labor tradition, right? Henry Ford did us a great gift and a great service by creating an assembly line, but he also kind of hurt us a little bit by trying to make it seem like people were machines. But they're not, and especially the people that we work with in technology. They're knowledge workers, right? And, 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 we, and, it, and you know, it's not a matter of making them go faster. <laughs> you, you don't think faster, right? You can't create faster. You can't be uh, faster creative and because that's what we do, right? Craftsmanship and art, that's a part of what high technology people do. And so instead of trying to, you know, um, command and control them and, and manage them, we, they need to be led. They need to be inspired. They need, they, they need someone who says, there's a fantastic story that we could all live in together. And let's go colonize that story. That, let's, go, let's go to this new great place together and, and, let's, and, and let's all be in it together. And that is what Enroll and Inspire is about. So they're is, the ones doing the enrolling. Oh, well... If Is you're it? if you're great, well, so there's a, I don't know who said it, but someone said, if you're a great leader, then they will say we did it ourselves, right? At the end, oh, okay. Th- at the end, sure, you want every you want um, our job as leaders is to create the clearing where people can be their best, and then and then help them have some place to go, right? We want to come up with some narrative about the future that is. Uh, that is so much better than the present that that people will give themselves to it. Right? We want we don't want just labor. We don't just want hard work. We want inspired, passionate people. And the way to do that is to be an inspired, passionate person. And that, but that's going to be a tall order for a lot of people. I mean, coming from command and control myself, like we, I, I always say the traditional project management is predicated on the idea that people are idiots. And if we don't tell them what to do and when to do it and exactly how to do it, they're going to screw it up. But now we're walking in and saying, you know what? You're smart. We trust you. Have at it. Bring it when it's ready. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you, I think, uh, you're right. I think that, um, even if they, so even if, so no matter what, I can tell you this, uh, no matter what, people are going to screw up. Yeah. So get over it. Uh, you know, there's a guy, Bob Hoover. So I'm a pilot, right? I was a pilot. Yeah. And so pilots were my heroes. And there's a story by, uh, of Bob Hoover. And uh, Bob, I don't know if you know who Bob Hoover was, but he was an incredible stunt pilot. And, uh, and, he, and, he, uh, and he went up to do his show. And when he was in the middle of a, like a, uh, a loop, the, the aircraft cut out. And uh, he had to coast it in, you know, uh, glide it in, land it, and come to find out the guy who put gas in it put ab gas in instead of uh, the right fuel. And so he went over to the guy, put his, <laughs> arm, put his arm around the guy and said, I want you to fill up my aircraft the next time because I know you're never going to make that mistake again. Oh, and, 
And that, and we're talking about a guy, he said, I, I'm going to put wow. my life in your hands. And that's the essence of trust, right? To put your life in another person's hands is the essence of trust. And he walked over to that guy and said, I'm putting my life in your hands because I know you're, I, you know, we <laughs> paid for brave. that mistake already together yeah. here, right? You and me, we're in this together. And uh, he, he said, you know, uh, I want you to fill up my aircraft. That's- and that's, that's the same attitude that we need to have about, you know, the inevitable failures that are going to occur because we're human beings, right? We're not dealing with machines. People yeah. are human. They're going to make mistakes. What we have to do is create a space of safety and a clearing for them to experiment and learn as fast as possible. That whole fail fast thing, that's baloney. That's not what we're after. What we're after is learning fast and making adjustments, right? Okay. I got another I got another aircraft analogy for you, and it, yeah. and it relates to teams, and it relates to these projects that we're on. So, um, I mean, have you ever thought about an aircraft that's flying? There's a lot of forces, right? You got up, down, left, and right, winds and everything, weather. And, and even on autopilot, an aircraft is off course like 90% of the time. <laughs> and it's making corrections, and it's making adjustments. And our... The whole point of Agile is to get really tight feedback loops because we know we're going to be off course all the time. But we want tight feedback loops so we can be continuously correcting, right? Off course and correcting. And that's what Agile is all about. Yes, accept that we're off course. Accept that everything's going to go wrong. Accept that we're human and we're going to have failures. Accept that. But let's figure out how we make adjustments really fast. And, and- Learn and make adjustments. Getting the world to be okay with being off. I think intellectually, most people would probably agree with you. But when it comes down to their projects and their companies and their bonuses, they yeah, want that's everybody else to be the ones. Yeah, that's they right. want the yeah. other guy to be failing, not them. Yeah, yeah, and that's the human element too. See, that's so much more interesting than t- than than technical, right? It's not. It's <laughs> well, not about technology. The so, problems that we face are the technical f- problems are ten percent. 80% of the stuff that we handle and, and, and that we have to work through is, is people and, and you know, the other 10% is process at least. So the thing I think is interesting is that when we were, t- when we were emailing back and forth to get ready for the podcast and I asked about the presentations, you're like, oh, I'm boring. I can't imagine <laughs> how you in front of a yes. crowd would ever be boring. But I want to ask you about um, – this is a different, completely different direction we talked about. I want to ask you about volunteerism because you have this level of enthusiasm. You've been involved yeah. with this conference for a while. I'm sure it takes an ocean of your time. Why do you do that and what do you get out of it? Wow. Well, um, you know, I started doing the Agile and Beyond thing because, you know, there was a hole. There was a vacuum. There was, uh, you know, the, the folks that were doing it were like, we, you know, just, we just can't do this anymore. And, uh, and I got, there was a group of people that I work with. Uh, you know, I, I think I already told you, Jason Dinkelman. Um, Amy Keener, uh, Nayan Haratawala, Andy Brown, um, these, you know, this group of people were committed to still making it happen. And, and, uh, and so we started working on it together and, and then, I don't know, it just, it just became, uh, something that none of us was willing to give up, uh, Particularly Jason. Jason Dinkelman is he, he like he's in charge of all of the stuff that we do, and we all work together. And I know he gives everybody credit, and and that's great. But he really is the heart and soul. He makes it all. He brings it all together, and makes it all happen. And uh, and he's a close friend of mine. And I I want to see all of us succeed. This is just. But I'll tell you what, you need to come to this conference. 
I want to come to this conference. Because I'll tell you what, you come to this conference and see what we do. Granted, we, we you know we work on it all year long, and yeah. it takes a lot of our time, like you said. But if you come to one of those conferences, it's a two day conference. There's 700 people there, 60 speakers. It is absolutely inspired, and it is inspiring. And you would know why we do it uh, if you if you if you had a chance to come to one of the conferences. Yeah, it's it's just an incredible event. There's a couple conferences that I've been to that I do find to be to be you know I walk out of them like man I've just like been woken up again I think the Oradev conference is one that I've always gotten that out of um, some of the DPM conferences and some of the Agile ones but I think a lot of the larger Agile conferences that some of that punch is gone I think at least for me yeah. and, and I and I think that's why I was asking if you're seeing the ideas continue to change I think I'm wondering if there's a point at which you're so deeply involved with these people and the you know the thought leadership that they're going through their different ideas that whatever they're going to present at a conference is kind of like yeah I, I know that already um, do you still oh, get no. shocked and surprised <laughs> by what's going on yeah uh, well so there's a there's a challenge for me uh, and and all the folks that are on the on the the you know the team that puts this together is we almost never get to hear very many of the talks right right I mean I did a couple show. of talks. We're working it. We're, I mean, we, you know, we're doing it the entire two days. We don't sleep. You know, it's just incredible how much effort it takes to put all of this together. Um, so we don't really get a chance, you know, to, to, to attend a lot of the sessions. I get to go to some of them and some of them are really great, right? I attended half of Mike's because then I had to go speak. Um, I attended, uh, half, uh, uh, half of Josh's. Um, I've seen a, I've seen a few folks speak and 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 uh, really great stuff. Every time I listen to someone like that speak, I'm like, uh, yeah. Now, now I'm going to take that back and do something with it, right? That's and that's I think that's what we're after, right? Is, yeah, you're is getting fed. really yeah. practical stuff we can go and do. Um, but no, I you know I, I think the boundaries just keep getting pushed. I mean, as far as I can tell, we've got people, um, no matter how many problems we solve, it, it, uh, (laughs) yeah, it simultaneously, uh, uh, reveals how much other stuff we were already blind to, right. That, that we didn't even see before. So it's, uh, it's this dichotomy of every time we learn something new, uh, what is it they say? The the larger the island of knowledge, the longer the shoreline of discovery, (laughs) right? That's great. Yeah. yeah, and and cool. so it's kind of like that, and uh, and I've got this tiny little island, but I'm still walking the shoreline, right? So, so um, so with the volunteerism, is that something that you've always done, or is that specific to your work in technology? No, I think it's just kind of you know, I, I mean, I don't know how much you know about military people, but uh, there's a there's a you know, a fundamental value of military people is the foundation of selfless service. And I'm, you know, I'm, that sounded so, uh, uh, I don't know, that sounded like, it almost sounded like it was egotistical or something. And it I, doesn't, and I, I went to a Jesuit school and the whole idea is be of service to others. So it's not, yeah, so that's not I went to a to Jesuit me. school. Uh, I went to a Jesuit university as well. And that was a big part of being, uh, you know, of, of my education. Um, and but also being in the military, um, my father was in the military. Uh, my uncles are in the military. You know, my wife is a marine. Um, we're, you know, that's kind of the nature of the kind of people that I know and hang out with. I think yeah. I, it's just that's the kind of people that I know. Um, 
I'm, well, I'm do, on do you, a, you get a lot out of it, though, right? The volunteer, or the, the putting yourself in service to other well, people. No, I, I never thought of it that way. I don't really... Well, not that I you... I guess never, the, the, the reason I'm going after is because I run across a lot of people that want to become scrum trainers, and a lot of them don't have any community involvement. And I never understand how they can survive in this field without volunteering for stuff right and left, because that, to me, is where you get refueled, um, where you get the new ideas and you get to meet okay. new people. Not that that's why yeah, you go guess, after it, but it is, it charges you up. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, uh, yeah, I feel like there's a huge purpose. Uh, there's a, and I think that's different for everybody, right? Everybody has that, what am I about? Who am I? What do I care about? What's a virtue? What's a vice? What's right? What's wrong? What's my ambition? Am I acting in it in every moment of now? Uh, I, that's what I walk around thinking about. That's and, a lot of and, questions. And I think that that, huh? That's a lot of questions. Well, those are the fundamental questions of the self. Who am I in the world? And and those of us that like think about stuff like that, right? Yeah. We end up doing stuff like, um, you know, volunteering in, in different ways. So, what is? Do you have within the space of agile? Do you have a mission for yourself in the space of, or, or just in? Uh, I mean, I guess in life in general. But I'm I'm specifically curious about your role within agile. Like a specific so I, goal or some some charge that keeps you going. Well, so so I am out to create um, a loving, accepting environment where my family, extended family, and friends want to come together to live, love, learn, and grow. So that's what I'm about. Okay. okay. Now, part of that is wanting to come together. Now, the reason I say wanting to come together is because I'm trying to create me to be a person that people want to be around. And that's, so I'm always working on becoming, and that's what I'm about. I'm becoming better. And, and part of that, is, it translates into Agile, in that all of the teams that I hang out with, I'm, that's what I'm about. How do we continuously improve? How do we improve our craft? And if I can get that meme injected into organizations, we've, you know, craftsmanship and innovation, those are the edges that I'm after. And, 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 and I think that those are the edges of becoming. And so I don't know if that makes sense or not. It does. I think it's really awesome. I mean, one of the things that is so cool about the way you just expressed it was you're talking about craftsmanship of the self to an extent. Well, right? isn't that isn't, – well, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what matters, right? Embodiment. Right, but yeah, it, it, with, with your life it, and with your work, you're at, it's a level of engagement that a lot of people don't – I would I, – I think a lot of people probably don't get to that point where they're trying to push themselves that way. Well, we all start somewhere though, right? Yeah. So when I do my sessions at the Agile and Beyond conference, this is the kind of stuff that I talk about. Which is great because it's really I'm definitely on the Beyond side of the Agile and Beyond. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's it's a very necessary aspect of it because if people don't start hacking themselves – they're going to hit that wall. That's it. Hacking ourselves. I like further. that. That sounds good. Yeah. So this yeah. is this is great stuff. So do you need volunteers for next year? Are there people want we, to sign oh, yeah, up and, and get to so, work? So, yeah, with? if you go to agileandbeyond.org or agileandbeyond.com, we got them both. Okay. Uh, you can see the old site. Now, we have taken a break. I, I you know, I, I, <laughs> I have like a, a Google Hangout that we do every week okay. that we work. And I canceled the next three, right, because we're all so – 
Uh, we also need a break right now, right? Yeah. So we're taking a break for a while, but then uh, after that, um, you know, we'll need help. I got to tell you, though, the group of people that we have, you know, uh, we've got people that we totally run this thing agile. I mean, it is uh, – and I think a lot of that still comes back to, to Jason Dinkelman. I mean, he – it doesn't matter what happens. He never loses his cool. He never, I mean, he's always got it together, right? And, and he, he does it in such a way that he'll, he'll like say to Andy or whoever's going to take it on this year, he never tells anyone what to do. He's like, who wants to do this? How's, who's going to do it? Who's going to take ownership of it? And then they get complete latitude, right? Uh, if you're going to take care of all the speakers, and we're talking about 60, 70 speakers here, right? That person, they can recruit other people. They can do whatever they need to do, but they take total ownership of it. That's great. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it. We really run it in an agile way, and and uh, and I think having a small group of people that can really be trusted is what makes it work. It's a very but yes, powerful thing. Yeah. Um, we need a lot of volunteers, but we're probably not going to need them. You for know, for another six or nine months. All yeah, right. at least at this point. Well, and if people want to get in touch with you to ask you more about the work that you're doing to hack, you know, your, yourself or to to become the next version of yourself. Um, uh, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, email. Yeah. Email tom.churchwell at leadingagile.com. Okay. Um, I also have a Twitter handle, tchurchwell. Cool. And they can track you down at the Agile Conference this summer. Yes, I will always be there. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, Tom, thank you very much for taking them. This was a really cool and very inspiring conversation. So thank you very much for doing it. Well, this. David, did not go anywhere that I expected it to, but I still had a good time. <laughs> cool. Thanks. <laughs> uh, thanks, David. 